said, give me a hell yeah. I said, give me a hell yeah. everybody this is double g for the fight game podcast on today's episode we have a special guest none other than the wrestling observer's own dave Meltzer. we're recording this about an hour before the new japan sakura sakura genesis show so because of that there won't be any talk about that show but last weekend we were all in long beach uh, for the new japan strong style evolve show how are you doing, Dave? Are you okay from that long weekend? I'm okay now. <laughs> I was tired for a couple of days, but that, it wasn't so much from the the weekend. It was um, there's a bunch of stuff going on, but yeah, I was I was okay, you know, after a couple of days. <laughs> All right, so the, kind of what I want to do is I, I'm going to bounce around a little bit, but. Um, Last weekend was a, was a pretty was a pretty interesting weekend when it when it comes to pro wrestling, um, and it actually started. There was PWG, there was the the New Japan show in Long Beach, but it actually started in an interesting point because you had the opportunity to go to the Access Studios and interview uh, Kazuchika Okada, which, I mean, it you know from a from a standpoint of um, it was a New Japan show in 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 the LA area. He was available for media. I thought it was a, a a pretty fun interview that you did with him. But when you go into stuff like that, knowing that he doesn't speak English, um, did did it change your mentality uh, in person um, as far as the questions you wanted to ask him? Or because I know you you talked a lot about his career, you kind of went all over the place. Um, was there a specific focus, or did you just want to ask as many questions until they said no more questions? I didn't really think about it. I mean, I had a, I had a, an idea of certain things that I was going to discuss with him, but for the most part, it was going to be wherever it went. I didn't really come up with a big battle plan or anything like that. Um, to you know, I the idea that he was limited in his English, I probably talked a little slower. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Translator was there. It didn't change my my thought process as far as what I would wouldn't wouldn't ask. I mean, some of the things it's like if you understand the Japanese. Wrestling, there's certain things that I might ask an American wrestler that he wouldn't be able to answer. Mm-hmm. And even a couple times when I like got into like you know the psychology of the dropkick and everything like that, you know, he was pretty clear that that that's not something like I could ask that question with the Young Bucks or I could ask that question with AJ Styles, but I couldn't, you know, or or you know anyone who throws a dropkick in the United States. But in Japan, it's like the mentality is still different that they're going to give you a, a half and half answer. Right, right, right. Um, your just being around him, um, you know, you've been you've been around a lot of guys. Uh, what was your impression as far as just his natural charisma, his uh, you know, sort of the way he walked and and talked? Like to me, I haven't been around as many guys as you have, but I was very impressed just with the way he came across. He didn't come across in in like this uh, you know stuck up way or anything. No, it was just very professional. But also very impressive the way that he handled himself. Yeah, I thought he was very personally charismatic, uh, more than I expected. Um, yeah, he was he was a little bigger than I expected too, you know. But um, you know, you know, he clearly very athletic looking up close, and um, seems pretty comfortable in his position. Without, I mean, very very confident without really a trace of conceit I mean that I could sense I mean sometimes I've seen interviews where with him where you can kind of tell that he's um, you know I mean like when he did the interviews where, where he was predicting he was going to do a six star match with Tanahashi and things <laughs> like that you know where you kind of look and go okay whatever but you know and then he eventually did but um, you know I I was I was very impressed with him um, I know that you know and I I guess it's cool in the sense that when it was over, you know, that they sent me a message, you know, that he was really appreciative of the interview, too. So it, it worked both ways. Because I usually, I don't get that. 
So for those who haven't listened to it, the, the interview's on uh, your website, wrestlingobserver.com. Um, was there anything that he answered that surprised you? Uh, you? You would ask him about certain guys. He mentioned Will Ospreay. Did any, any of his answers surprise you, or did he kind of... No. You, you, you thought that's pretty much what you thought he would have answered. Yeah, I don't remember being surprised by much of anything. Um, and there's, you know, a lot of things we didn't really go into. I mean, we never really talked... We didn't talk too far into the future. You know, I'm always into, like, figuring what he thinks would be of the future. But, um, nah, I, I can't say I was surprised by anything. Um, after we, uh, you got a chance to talk to him, I think you told this story on the show that you did with Brian. Uh, but basically, uh, the uh, the, the news story on Josh Barnett had come out right when uh, Josh and JR were done doing voiceovers for the uh, their New Japan stuff. And so you got to see like Josh's real reaction to the news right. as far as the, 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 st- the, the testing failure that he had uh, and it being overturned. Um, what was interesting, though, and I didn't know this at the time, is that because he'd taken himself out of the test, like we thought he was free and clear right, to fight right, right. tomorrow, right. and because he had taken himself out of the testing pool back in December of 2016, he's still a minimum of six months away. Because I guess he, by taking yourself out, you're pretty much telling them that you're, you're retired. Right. And, and, and he had never said he was retired to anybody, so it was... Um, but yeah, it was interesting him going through, and he kind of cut a long promo, and um, went through his whole his whole situation, which was it was an interesting thing because he pretty much you know was able to prove that he got what he got from a contaminated supplement because he saved all the supplements and because he had the money to test stuff, and you know noting that most fighters would not have the money to be able to do that, um, so. It becomes, um, you know, there, there's, the testing is, is, I mean, I think that it's really changed UFC for the better, but there's also been innocent victims in this in some ways. And I mean, again, like with the, the supplements and everything, you know, there's, there's, I, I think that if I, like if I was a fighter, I wouldn't take supplements, you know, because it's like, I mean, are they of some value? Yeah, they probably are to a degree, but it's like, is it worth two years risk? You know what I mean? And then you even have people who, you know, I don't know. Sometimes I think that maybe like something like Osterine that we've seen a lot of people test positive for, for low, low levels where you almost go, go like, you know, there's probably, this probably wasn't knowingly, um, but how do you work it to, to, to know that, you know, to know the difference and you know you can't take people's word for it so it's kind of um but i do think there have been some innocent victims here josh to a degree was you know i mean he took the supplement but you know it wasn't like he was knowingly cheating you know i mean he when when he tested positive he found himself a supplement and they tested the supplement and they bought a, a, a batch of the supplement themselves and yeah it had osterine in it do you find it hard for the casual fan to understand a lot of this stuff because there, the other big drug test thing that came out was with Canelo, yeah. and you've explained in the past about the uh, just the meat uh, with the the clenbuterol. The clenbuterol the meat in Mexico and China. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that with um, Canelo, Canelo should just be let the the the, the concentration of of um, clenbuterol in the system was so low, and to to me the fact that. It's probable that he got it there, and then that people in China and Mexico, um, you know, have, have always had it overturned when it comes to USADA. But he wasn't being tested by USADA; he's being tested by VADA. And the the, the boxing people who aren't aware of what's been going on in MMA for years, and and not just MMA and other sports. And you know, I see all these writers going like, "Oh my God, you know, he's a cheater," and this and that. And it's like, I can't prove he was innocent. Nobody can. But the odds are that he was. I mean, and I'm not like someone who's soft on drug test failures, but I know when, you know, and, and again, like one of the things where it was two tests, they're three days apart. It's the same thing. You know, it wasn't like these tests were six weeks apart. So, I mean, really, the Canelo thing, if you really study it, he should just be, he should be allowed to fight. Uh, and, and I guess the, 
I'll, I'll restate sort of what I was trying to get at, but it seems like a lot of the media doesn't really understand the, yeah, the, the drug testing, and so thus the message to the fans is pretty confusing. Yeah, because I think a lot of fans think he's, he cheated, and when I say he doesn't, people are getting mad at me for at not knowing that, like, guys test positive for glenbuterol in Mexico on a pretty regular basis because of the meat. And it's like, yes, some, some, some people go, well, he's rich. Shouldn't he have brought his, bought, you know, brought his meat? Because he was in Guadalajara. Right. Shouldn't he have brought his meat from the United States? And it's like, yes. And with the benefit of hindsight, yes, that's the answer. But, <laughs> but at the time, you can't hold, you cannot hold it against someone for eating a steak. I'm sorry. You know, I mean, it's like there's, it, you know, that's not even a supplement. With a supplement, you can go, look, you, you need to be more careful. But when it comes to a steak, no. You know, that's, that's, um, that's just, it's just not fair. It really isn't. But, you know, even if, even if he does get suspended, he'll get a slap on the wrist. The fight's going to happen a couple months later. It's not the end of the world. But when I see a lot of the stories on it, um, I mean, there, Ian Kidd did a tremendous story. But when most of the stories that I've seen on it, I look at it and I go like, well, it doesn't ever, I guess they don't. But it's like, when it comes to the drug testing and everything, it's like, as, as soon as, you know, we first heard about it, I go like, you know, most likely this is a non-story. Right. And then the second one it was like, well, it was two of them, but it's like they're three days apart. So no, it's still a non, to me, it's still a non-story. Not yeah. a non-story, but something that should be thrown out. And I guess, I guess, uh, you know, when you just read a headline that pops up in a notification, it, you know, that, that could be very misleading about what's going on. And yeah. it's, it, I just wonder if stuff like that, uh, not even not even the, the drug testing, because I agree with you that it's it's helped a lot, but just the confusion. It's, it's in UFC. It's been a huge difference. I think a lot of people who don't talk to fighters don't realize, but a lot of fighters. You know, I think most clean fighters. It was mm-hmm. a real frustration going where they knew they were fighting juiced up guys and yeah and, and especially when you're a top level guy like um a bisping you know because that's that's when he he's complained about it a lot and some people like are negative about his complaining but he's got every right to complain when it comes to you know guys who beat him you know especially vitor you know it's like there's not even a question and look at what happened to vitor as soon as the you know the, they closed that loophole I mean, he went from, it, it, you know, Vitor is the perfect thing of, like, why it's so unfair, because he went from being a freaking world beater, knocking everybody out in the first round, to being able to beat almost nobody. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, okay. Moving on to a little bit later that Friday was the the PWG show um, at the new building. And um, that'd been the f- that's the first PWG show I'd ever been to, so I hadn't even been to the uh, to the other building in Reseda. But I did hear from people who were saying, "Yeah, this building is very cool." Though I missed the intimacy. Like I heard that word a lot about the the building in Reseda. Um, before we even get to kind of, there's a couple questions I want to ask you about that show, but. Do you, what do you like? Did you do you feel like there's anything in the intimacy that that will be lost? Um, do you think it's that big of a deal, or is this just sort of like what happens when sort of like a, a homegrown product kind of goes into a different level, and the people kind of you know they, they get worried that it's too mainstream or whatever, they lose that sort of closeness to the community. I mean, I I had wished they'd moved to a different building from day one because at the end of the day, too many people are getting turned away. And I don't, you know, and and everyone, you know, everyone at some point was getting turned away that wanted to go. I mean, I every friend of mine at one point, you know, didn't get in. I think there was one show where, um, I mean, I, I did manage to pull strings to get in. But there, there were a couple shows I missed because I didn't get tickets. And I didn't, you know, pull strings to get in. Um, and it wasn't easy for me to even do that because just the nature of that whole thing. Um, so... Yeah, I think that um, I think they should have moved to a bigger building. I know a lot of people loved. There was a certain charm to it. I will miss it. Um, but look, I didn't get I didn't get one beer spill spilled on me, <laughs> and and I never I always have beer spilled on the me. Drink, the drink the drinks were pretty expensive too. The drinks were a lot more expensive. <laughs> but also, what you don't know is is like the the line where I sit is right the line of the um, the line for to get the pitchers of beer goes, you know, right in front of my seat mm-hmm. and goes all the way around and it's cramped and you can barely move. And, you know, like if you want to talk to somebody on the other side of the building, it takes forever to get there just to walk around the ring because the place is, you know, the lines for drinks 
or so long, and we there was none of that. I mean, from that standpoint, it was uh, a much cleaner. It was a much um, I don't know. I will say that the the atmosphere before the show, when everyone stands in line and talks to each other and all that, that wasn't there like the previous show. Mm. I mean, that was actually one of there more, was a little bit of chaos there too. Though. Yeah, nobody really knew, but but because of the nature of like being on a, a street you know, like on a busy street as opposed to being in kind of a corner in a parking lot and everything like that. The social aspect of waiting for the show, that's the one thing that the Reseda thing had had better. Because it's like, that's where I met so many people yeah. is at the beginning, you know, waiting waiting in line an hour and a half to get in. So that wasn't, that wasn't as much fun as Reseda. But as far as the show itself, I, the guy, look, it was a great show. It would have been a great show in Reseda. It, it, the, the quality of the show is going to be the same no matter where the building is. And um, the fact that it's not there, the crowd heat was the same. I think you wrote in The Observer that it's really the, the matches that, that drive that anyways. Yeah. You know, it's like I've been to shows at Reseda. I mean, I've never been to a bad show in Reseda, okay? Because th- there's too much talent to have a bad show. But I've seen some shows that are just good and then other shows that are, you know, top five shows of the year um, all over the world. Um, and this was on the higher end. It wasn't the best PWG I ever saw, but it was a higher end show. And I think that um, it would have been the exact same show in, in, in the Reseda building. The Will Ospreay and Adam Brooks match, you wrote that it was the most spectacular match that you saw of the weekend, which means that it was more spectacular than the main event to the New Japan show in your yeah, eyes. Yeah, I thought so. I thought so. What 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 made it so? What like, It's what, just Will Ospreay. just, you know, he was out there... Mental, you know, Will Ospreay was there to make Adam Brooks a star, and I don't know if he made Adam Brooks a star, but he put on an, just an incredible performance himself. And Adam Brooks was was you know with him and everything like that. So um, yeah, I thought that match was more spectacular, mm-hmm. um, and it had great great heat. You know, it did go a little long. Where I thought that Omega and and um, Ibushi and the Young Bucks went a lot longer. I mean, I think that the the um, the match, the um, Osprey match was, what, 24 minutes in that range, something like that, 24, mm-hmm. 25 minutes. The other one was 39 and a half minutes. Um, but the Young Bucks match, to me, at no point felt like it was going too long. The other one, I thought at about, I thought they peaked at about, you know, they peaked a few minutes early. But, you know, I barely hold that against them because the reality is it was still a great, it was still a fantastic match and, um, I, I just, you know, with Will, I just worry. He works so hard in every match he has. I mean, every match I see him in is, is fantastic. You know, it's not like a guy who, like Minoru Suzuki or Omega or Okada, where big match, oh, they're freaking awesome. And if it's a okay match, it's an okay match. With Will, it's like, every, you know, if you look at the six-man tags that he does with him and Hiromu Takahashi are in there, and they're... You know, it might as well be Sumo Hall. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Those guys only have one speed, and that's, like, all out. And unfortunately, the human body, man, it's it's going to be tough. You know, I, I think that, like we talked about earlier, with where Okada was talked about how Will Ospreay is someday going to be a better wrestler than him. Right. But he's going to have to survive to, to be that, and I don't know that he will. Right, I right. Hope he, I hope he does. Also in The Observer, you tried to explain the difference in the styles of the two shows. Uh, the New Japan st- uh, style, you said, was more technically sound, but the PWG style, they, uh, there's an allowance to be more creative. Well, I, I mean, I wouldn't say style because both shows have had a number of different styles on it. I mean, the PWG show had you know, the, a couple of semi-Lucha Libre, American versus Lucha Libre, Total mat work scientific, mm-hmm. you know, Will Ospreay match, which is just a spectacular match, but not Lucha Libre. Um, and New Japan, um, you know, you have your Zack Sabre and Suzuki who are relying on submissions. You have your Tanahashi. I mean, it's like, it's, it's, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that, but, but yeah, I felt like both shows were fantastic, but they were very different. And I mean, like, like the PWG show reminded me of a great PWG show. And the New Japan show reminded me of a, of a great New Japan show. And, like, the PWG, the thing is, is, like, from the first match to the main event, you're going to have guys just go out there and do spectacular stuff. Yeah. Um, and in most cases, it works. Every now and then there's a match that doesn't work, but most of the time it works. Whereas New Japan is like a traditional show where your prelims feel like prelims. 
You know, they're, they're good, they're technically sound, but they're prelims. Your mid-card is mid-card, and your main event is your main event. You know, the, the card builds like a traditional wrestling card. PWG, it's like the first match could be the best match. Right, right, and right. if you're following one of those matches, I mean, I remember when um, Keith Lee and, and Donovan Dijak had a, a match, which was one of the best matches in PWG history. It's one of the best matches the whole year last year. And they did everything in the world. And I remember afterwards guys coming up to me and it was just like, you know, follow that, right? <laughs> I mean, you have your 275-pound guy and a 330-pound guy. And they're doing everything that the small guys do, and now the small guys got to follow it. Yep. It's it's very, very difficult. They should have done like a Greco-Roman knuckle lock to start this match or something. Yeah. After. <laughs> but but um, in, in PWG, you know, in PWG, that's just how it is. In New Japan... You're you're not gonna have guys do that unless it's at the at the Tokyo Dome or Sumo Hall. Right. Yeah. You know they're not gonna do that. You know on, on a on a spot show that kind of a match. And in WWE they're not gonna do it. You know maybe at WrestleMania you know it would be about the only time they would do it. It's funny because it's like it's 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 funny because those die. It's actually Dijak's last match before he went to WWE, and and that may have been why the match was so good because I think Dijak himself probably knew that like you know. <laughs> I'm never going to be allowed right, to do a match like right, this. Right. Um, so the next day was the uh, the 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 dojo. So uh, I thought that was a pretty interesting um, little show. They had some wrestling matches, but the the most interesting thing to me was just being able to talk to uh, Tanahashi and those guys uh, backstage. Um, and the thing that intrigued me the most, I guess, is you know I've I I I took journalism class, I have a journalism degree, uh, I worked at a real radio station out of college, um, so I've been in locker rooms and I've been in uh, press conferences, and I thought it was kind of interesting that that, that atmosphere in, in, in backstage was, I, I would say, a little less serious than, than normal. Do you think that's because it's just wrestling, or is it because... It's... It, it's most of most of the wrestling writers don't have experience in in real sports journalism, so they're it, it is they're they're more fans, right? So, so yeah, and the same thing with MMA. Yeah, you know, um, I mean, like the Tanahashi interview was just so ridiculous. I mean, you would you ever have like an interview with I don't know, you know, just Alex Rodriguez and. You know, ask him about his shampoo, you know, shampoo and blow drying his hair. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, I just don't know that you would do that. Like, in a situation like that where you're going to only, you know, get like a few minutes with the guy. It was different. Um, I mean, I, I told you the story about, I, there was, I sort of had that experience once at a UFC show mm -hmm. where there were a bunch of women reporters from foreign countries, from Brazil and Mexico, interviewing Luke Rockhold. And I'm just going like, what the f what is this? You know what I mean? It's like the questions they were asking him. It's like I was like there and I just like walked away. Right, it's like, right, right. I don't, I, don't, I don't even want to hear this stuff. This is just, you know, like, well, what kind of girls do you like? And it's like we're supposed to be talking about a freaking fight coming up mm -hmm. and, and you're trying to go, what What kind of girls does Lou, you know, what kind of personality do you like in your girls? You know, I'm like whatever. <laughs> I don't know. I just felt like like a, in a real sport nobody right. would, do, would right. do that. But, but I guess that, you know, it's female reporters talking to Luke Rockhold. Right. Did f but from that, like, I, I thought the New Japan guys were pretty good. When they're, they're pretty funny. Tanahashi just went with it. He was fine with it. He was a professional about it. But I, I mean, I, I thought that most of the other guys, they were like, think of a, a Jay White or Adam Page. I mean, Adam Page did have to talk about the Joey Ryan stuff, but they took that job pretty seriously as far as answering real questions. Yeah. Um, and I was impressed with that. Uh, I, I guess it, when you see stuff like that, you, you mentioned this, this UFC situation and I've been in uh strike force, um, press conferences too, where, you know, people sort of give fighters a standing ovation when you, they walk in. UFC, they sometimes do too. It, d does it, does it's, it, it's different to me because right. you know, I came from the world where you, you, no cheering in the press box. Right. And that you know? that's that's no, sort of what I've always And no cheering, you know, when a guy comes out. You know, you could win the World Series or win the Super Bowl. Right. And you don't go you know, when you see him come into the room. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I that that it I thought it was weird too, but 
Um, I did think that they that they did a Tanahashi specifically kind of just took it. In he, stride. he was he was he was he was actually quite cool about everything, and you know they did ask him about his arm and everything like that, and and um, he was joking around about well. His muscles torn, but now he's got a better looking feet. You know, so he, yeah, he, he did flex his bicep a couple he, times. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't seem bummed by the the injury. You know, like it was just what it was. You know, and he said his it the arm's almost as strong as the other arm now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that 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 was yeah. He 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 was good. Um, so you were able to talk to Shibata. Do you get a feeling that? If given the the opportunity, he's really going to want to come back? I don't believe he will wrestle again, but I believe that he believes he will, and that's what keeps him going. Um, I mean, I was... Cause, because he was very... It wasn't like... He was very strong in his resolve. You know, it's like, yes... I'm very gonna, serious guy. Very serious guy. Um, he, I got the impression that he may make a hell of a trainer. Um, and I think it may be really hard. Is he going to spend some time in, like, a lot of time in he's, L.A.? He's moving there. He's so moving. just completely moving his life to L.A.? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's moved to L.A. He likes the weather. Um, he thinks that that's a good thing for him. And that being around all these young guys trying to learn will spur his recovery quicker in his mind. But, he, yeah, he's very strong in the idea that he's going to wrestle again. I don't, you know, his injuries were such that I can't see him ever being cleared. I mean, it's not like Daniel Bryan. I mean, you know that from, I, I don't want to say day one, but even when I went, when Daniel Bryan, the week he retired, I absolutely believed he was going to wrestle again. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't, and I don't know if he even did at the time, but I believed he was going to wrestle again. I didn't know it would be with WWE or not, and that was up to WWE, you know, whether, you know, when, however that happened, it happened. But, um, you know, like, you know, he wanted, you know, he wanted to wrestle a long time ago, and his contract wouldn't let him. It's a really weird story, and but you know, it turned out, you know, the timing turned out how it did, and everything. Yeah. So we fast forward to the Sunday uh, New Japan show, and uh, it was the first time you and Brian Alvarez, your partner for many years, were able to actually sit together and cover a show. Well, we have gone to many UFC shows together where we were a row apart, or he's a little bit behind me. But I don't recall, and he didn't either, so it's probably true. I don't think that we ever sat together at a show itself. I mean, we sat together at press conferences Mm -hmm. after shows many times. Um, So, yeah, um, it was unique, um, you know, to do that. It was kind of funny that that would be the first one after knowing him for (laughs) um, whatever it's been. I mean, I guess... He came on the hotline. I don't even remember what year this would have been, but it, you know we're probably talking 21 years ago, and we started a Yada um, 19 years ago. So, you know, it's it's pretty interesting. You know what? I think he wrestled at King of the Indies, mm-hmm. but I think that there's a possibility we sat together at King of the Indies when he wasn't when he like. When he didn't wrestle, I'm not sure. I only remember sitting with. Um, I mean, I would have thought he would have sat by me, but I remember sitting with Ray Bastian and Nick Bockwinkel at those shows. So you had mentioned earlier that day that it was the first New Japan show, or maybe you just said Japanese wrestling show that you'd been to live in X number of years. Twenty-two years. 21 and a half years. Yeah, New Japan and Japan Japanese wrestling, because I haven't been... Um, the last time I was in Japan is 96, and I didn't go, obviously I didn't go last year, to the July shows that I was planning on going, but just didn't work out. and Almost didn't work out this time as well. But thank, you know, I'm glad I went. For, from a wrestling standpoint, how does it compare to shows that you've seen in the past? And also, from a sort of environment, American crowd versus Japanese. I imagine that part is way different than well, you're other not, experiences. Not, not just American versus Japanese, but also 22-year difference in fans. Fans are completely different now than right. Um, I have seen better shows in Japan, but this was a great show. But I've seen a, a lot of great shows in Japan over the years. Um, the Young Bucks match, as far as would be up there, 
as far as one of the best matches that I'd seen. Crowd, it's funny because didn't you get the feeling like the crowd was a mixture in the sense that you got your sort of some WWE reactions, you know, let's go hangman, let's, you know, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, who was it? You know, you had, you had your, your dueling chance. You had to do this is awesome and your fight forever. You know, you which none of which you'd get in Japan. But at the same time, they were quiet and watching real close and then would explode at certain points like a Japanese crowd. Mm-hmm. So I think it was an American crowd that was... Um, that had grown up learning how American crowds behave, trying to be a Japanese crowd. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's how I kind of sensed it. Um, but the people, I mean, the one thing about it that was very clear, you know, with, with guys like, you know, Toriyano, which is like the perfect example of a guy who, you know, the, pe- the place went nuts for. You could really, th- these fans were, I mean, they weren't just into, you know, Okada and Tanahashi. I mean, they were, they knew New Japan Pro Wrestling. Yeah. You know, they were not... Um, oh, you know, let's go see the Young Bucks against Kenny Omega and Kota Bushi. It was like they knew everybody on the card and, um, you know, reacted real good to almost every match. And the one match that was put in death spot, you know, I mean, Jay White and Page, you know, they, they were put in a bad position. They knew it. They knew it the day before. We, yep. They both talked about it. You specifically asked them about it. Yeah, and they both, but they both knew. Yeah. They both knew and, and they pulled it out. I mean, I think their effort, you know, the effort that they put in their match was was um, incredible, and yeah. So, uh, after the show, um, you had mentioned, and Brian mentioned the same. You guys were both on the sort of four and three quarter star ratings as far as that match live, and then when the Observer came out, folks got to see that you you actually pushed the rating to five. Mm-hmm. I think you've, you've you've had some opportunity to explain why in Twitter, but without the uh, the limit of 140 characters, what what were the main reasons for uh, that the match was better on TV, you thought? Um, where we were, we were just watching guys do moves. And, I mean, it was fantastic. Yeah. It was a fantastic match. But did I feel like it was a five-star match live? Uh, you know, it was, but look, we were debating it. It wasn't like it was like no, it's not. But when the rule is, is when you debate it, that makes it four and three quarters. Right, right. Like when I'm at PWG, when we when we go in there, when the match is over, and I go, "This is five, then it's five. Right. But if I go in there, and go, "Do you think it's five? That might make it four right. and three quarters. But we were too far away to get. I mean, the television version that I saw was was considerably better, considerably better than the live show, um, and so that's from the television version. I I don't you know you you watched it with me you know I I think it was thirty thirty two minutes in where I go this is a five star match and it still got better from there so to me like usually when it comes to like a five star match I have to have it in my head at some point in the match usually a couple minutes before or maybe a lot of minutes before it's a five star match so at the end you know it's not like something like okay, what do I think? It's already got to be there. Right. Because right, if I right. think, I'm going to give it four and a half or four and three quarters. Right. Um, I think um, the, the, the spot, I think it was this, the thing that you, that made you say, I think this is five, was when Kenny had Matt on his shoulders, but he wouldn't do the... Um, right. He wouldn't do the one-arm angel right Right. Away. See, we're far away. I'm just thinking, oh, man, it's slow. Yeah. I didn't realize it was part of the story. I, I, I think live, I did hear Matt scream, so I just I, I assumed that Kenny was being easy on him, and he's like, don't you know? But on TV, you got to see the drama a lot more. Way the, more. The other thing that comes across on TV a lot better is how good Omega's facials were, how emotional he was, how... Matt, too. Um, just the the story that they were both telling um, in their body and in their movements, not even in the wrestling moves, just in how they were reacting just to, you know, Kenny didn't want to do certain things, and you could see that better on TV than you could live. Well, where we were. I think I know people at ringside could see it really well. Oh, we, yeah, we, yeah. But we weren't, we, were. We, we, were, we weren't at ringside. So... Um, I think, you know, from watching TV, I think that most of the matches were, were actually better on TV than live from where we were sitting. Right. Um, and I remember, like, after the show, Kevin Kelly, you know, right on the New Japan World deal was, do you give it five stars? And I said, like, I have to go home and watch it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the same thing as, as, as um, I mean, that's one of the reasons why I never 
go to WrestleMania live. Although I mean, if I'm in Santa Clara, I will. You kind of had to go to yeah, that one. right, 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 right. But but it's because I have to. You know, you really don't get the feel of being in in the press box. Like you know, I mean, like I know it's a good match and a bad match, but to really get like that close of a feel of what it is, I had to watch it again. And even like with um, um, some of the NXT matches, I've I've you know like the Nakamura Sami Zayn, you know, which I was at live. I remember I was at live, and it's like this is four and a half. I had my friends who go to everything just go, you know, you know this. If we saw this match in Reseda, there's no way it's better than four and a quarter. It would be four and a quarter. It was yep. still a great match. But and and I go, yeah, I know, but we're not in Reseda, and, and the, the the bottom line is that the heat was fantastic. Um, but you know, everyone's going like, oh, you know, it's five stars. So I went home and I watched it. And it's like that match was exactly this. It's like mm-hmm. this is exactly as good as I remember. Mm-hmm. It's not better. It's not worse. It's a great match, and it's far from match of the year um, because you know one guy was wrestling his match of the year, and the other guy was wrestling his um, you know not match of the year. You know, I mean, it's like if you watch the Nakamura AJ Styles match and the Nakamura Sami Zayn match, and just watch Nakamura in both matches, you'll see a world of difference. Um, so the other thing that I, that I thought was actually pretty interesting about that show, and Brian even tweeted this was, I think he he tweeted something like, "Cody Rhodes is a star," or he or something. Cody, Cody Rhodes is a superstar. Yeah, I think that's what he said. And so, the question that I had for you was. Do you think that Cody had this all along and he just wasn't no. able to show it or he's I don't grown know. into this? I think he's I think it's the experience of the last couple of years and just motivation and just thinking and just being outside and opening up his eyes and ears to you know what a main eventer does and and being in a program. I think if they had handed him the ball and put him in a top program where he would have the time to do everything, that he probably would have been a lot better there than 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 you know he was. Mm. But I you know, if you look at like when he first started coming to the independent shows, like you saw him like APW and yep. things like that. And I mean, match wise, I don't um match wise, I mean I think he's about the same. I mean, he had a match with Pentagon that I saw in Daily City that still, you know, I mean, I won't say it's the best match I've seen of his, because Okada match is the best match I've seen of his. And well, that actually, I just watched the match from Australia today um, with with Will Ospreay and Robbie Eagles, and that match was fantastic. And he was he was, and he like he more than held his own in that match. But he was the personality of the match, and and Osprey was the phenomenal moves guy. But the whole thing gelled into a fantastic match. But um, I, but but as far as Carrying himself like a main eventer, um, which he did from the start, he is better at now. But I think the thing that put him over the top is, is his performance in being the elite. To me, and, and, and the power of being the elite can't be overstated. It's, it's making Adam Page into a star who nobody even knew and talked about. It's taking Cody from being the ex-WWE Cody Rhodes son of Dusty Rhodes who's trying to make it into a total superstar on the level, you know, like almost a Kenny Omega level star. Um, you know, right there with the young, you know, like the, the, those guys, the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega and, and Cody are like, you know, they're the big stars that are not in WWE. And in many ways, I don't want to say they come up, Kenny, you know, Kenny comes off as, to me, as big a star as anyone not in WWE, but Cody comes off as a heel, um, Right, best heel in, in wrestling right now. Maybe. Yeah, I think so. Did did he take some acting classes at some point? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He um when he came out of high school, he was he had an offer from Penn State to wrestle, which is you know, which is like the national power. Yeah, yeah. But I I guess he didn't want to do college wrestling. I mean, because you know he was a two time state champion in Georgia and everything like that. So he's a great athlete. Um and him and his sister went and were they went to Los Angeles to, to learn acting with Howard Fine, and they were there for a while. Because that's the... I'm almost sure... This would be 2002. Because... Um, no, 2001. Because the story of my, how my son got named was, as I recall the conversation... This is 2001. So, let's see. That's 17 years ago. I, 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 I think I might... So, no. 
17 years ago, 2001, wow. No, Cody would have still been in high school. So I, I had my timeline wrong in all this. Okay, well, anyway. <laughs> um, no, no, when my son was named Cody, I guess Cody would have been high school wrestler, but I had a conversation with Dusty, you know, you know, right before my wife was, like, literally right before, it's like, dinner time, okay, bye, see ya. <laughs> we come in, oh, we got to figure out a name for a son, and, and I had talked to Dusty, and he brought up his son, so I guess we were talking high school wrestling. Yeah. But I had other conversations with Dusty and asked about his son, and he's, he's in Los Angeles with his sister, um, Teal, I think. I, I might have the wrong sister, but... Um, they're studying to be an actor. He's going to be an actor. And then whatever it was, two years later, I see him in OVW, you know, Cody Reynolds. And he got signed to a developmental deal with, you know, when they were trying to keep it quiet, who his, who his father was at first. <laughs> it was yeah, Cody right. Reynolds and, um, um, you know, the guy who's now Ty Dillinger. Oh. Yeah. They yeah, were yeah, team. yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So uh, fast forward a little bit to the upcoming WrestleMania weekend. Uh, you and Brian are doing a QA uh, that uh, that Friday, which is sold out. Yeah, I guess that sounds that sounds good. <laughs> I'm glad. Um, do you, do you look forward to, to that kind of stuff? Is like I, I know you've you used to do the you did the bus QAs and stuff. It's always fun. Yeah, I I I will have fun. Um, it's funny because. Like this week is a weird week. It's it's a little like last week, in the sense that there's a part of me I'm gonna have a, I'm gonna have a load of fun, but it's gonna be a super difficult. This is gonna be the most difficult week of the year for me. Um, you know, outside of my personal life, um, but I so it's gonna be real. So I'm like, it's kind of like oh man, it's gonna be so hard. Plus the just the condensed schedule. It's like to me like. If I go to two shows on the same day, it's like, that's too much. Now, this like Friday, it's like, I'm doing a show, mm-hmm. then I'm going to three shows yep. that same day. And it's like it's not like I can skip any of them, because every one of those shows is just loaded with talent. There are guys I want to see. There are promotions I want to see. You know, because there's the, you know, the progress in the Rev Pro, you know, which I watch those things, you know, a lot, especially Rev Pro. I watch that a lot. And... Um, I want to see it live. I saw Progress live last year, and it was like, it was kind of like going to a New Japan show, honestly. You know, in, in the sense of the timing and the pacing, and you know, and everything like that. The the guys on top work like a New Japan main event. You know, Pete Dunne and, um, you know, I think Mark Andrews and and uh, Tyler Bay and those guys. I mean, they really they pace back and forth like it's a New Japan match, and so it's and and they're great. So it, it you know it's like really a lot of fun. What would you say is the one match out of the ones that you know you're going to see that you're looking most forward to? Have we seen a Matt Riddle and um, Osprey match? I think so. I think so. So that would be it. But it's like they're both doing ten matches in in a week or whatever it is, eight nine matches. So it's like physically, you know, what can you do? But I guess I guess so. Um, I'd have to look. I, I I haven't really focused on what I'm going to see that much. But, um, you know, the, and it's funny because those are the guys I see all the time. I mean, I don't see Osprey all the time. I see Riddle. I see Riddle very often now. Um, and he's, you know, I, I don't know. I, I mean, he's, he's, I think he should be like one of the 10 biggest stars in wrestling right now. And I mean, he is on the indie scene. He's one of the biggest stars. But I know, you know, I know why he's not in Japan because of the, you know, I think Matt Seidel thing had something to do with it. I think that Bushi Road, you know, doesn't really want a guy with the, the you know marijuana stigma in Japan is just so different than here. Mm-hmm. It's just what it is, and it's but it's so unfortunate because, I mean, I think that he could be like right under Kenny Omega, you know, as as a super foreigner and 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 have years and years in that position. In if he went into NXT. I think he'd be like one of the most over guys on day one and stay over and probably get more over. Well, you you say the stigma is different uh, for marijuana in Japan and the U.S. Why isn't he at WWE? For that same reason, and I, that I don't understand, because it's it's not like it's not like there aren't tons of guys on the main roster that 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 are, that do marijuana and you know it's, but he's he's very public about it. I don't know. I really don't have an answer as, as far as like 
I, I would have thought that he'd be in WWE by now. Uh, I don't really understand. I mean, I, I'm sure they have their reasons. Um, and, and certainly at first, because he, he was at camp. He'd only been wrestling for a very short period of time. And he went to the camp and he just smoked everyone. I don't want to say he smoked everyone, but I heard he was the most impressive guy at the whole pun, camp. Pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> but instead of signing him, they pretty much sent him to Gabe to evolve and go like, look, we're going to test him out with you, so take care of him. And with Gabe, it was kind of like, you know, Evolve is a pretty high standard of wrestling. And this guy had been wrestling, you know, I don't know how many matches he had, like a dozen. It's like he was in way over his head. And I was thinking, it's like, oh, what a bad idea to, to be in Evolve this early. I mean, it's one thing in NXT to work those Florida shows and prelims where, you know, everyone knows it's developmental and, you know, that's not a big deal. But Evolve, it's like those, those are hard fans and they're used to seeing... You know, Zack Sabre and Chris Hero and guy, you know what I mean? Those kind of guys. But he ended up, you know, in a couple of months, I mean, working himself from prelims to significant matches. And by the time he got there, it was um, Dallas WrestleMania. I, he was already a star by then. And I remember seeing him in, in the Dallas WrestleMania. Yeah, yeah I remember that. We, we saw the match with him, and it was like, this guy's, this guy's already there. And he's much, much better now than he was then. And, and he's obviously... Got a ton of talent, great athlete, but do you think putting him in the ring with good wrestlers early on helped him? Immensely, immensely. You know, working with, and different, you know, the one thing with, with an Evolve is that you're not working with the same kind of guys. You're working with power guys, you're working with Lucha Libre guys, you're working with acrobatic guys, you're working with technical guys. I mean, he's worked, with, like with, we saw him with Zack Sabre. Mm -hmm. Him and Zack Sabre have worked many, many matches together. It wasn't the first time. Um, and they're just, you know, they had, you know, they had great chemistry. And, and that was a completely different Matt Riddle match than any Matt Riddle match I'd seen live. I'd seen him with, um, you know, just, well, there was, we saw Walter and Thatcher. I mean, I've seen him with Keith Lee. You know, just every different kind of, the Young Bucks. I've seen him with every different kind of style. And I can't say that I've seen one, I have not seen a Matt Riddle match that was anything less than really good. So he can do anything, he can blend with anyone. The funny thing about that was... I think most people thought, oh, he must have watched Zack Sabre in the New Japan Cup because a lot of that match seemed to counter a lot of the things that Zack was doing to win matches in the New Japan Cup. And Riddle said, no, he just that's just the match that they usually have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it was probably better, but that match was incredible. Yeah. That match um, up live, up close, like, there were no holes. And, and, and your reasoning... Uh, partially, at least, your reasoning for, for not going the full five is because you didn't think the crowd was as into it as a five-star match would, they would usually be in. The crowd was into it. I mean, four and three-quarter stars, I wouldn't give unless the crowd's super into it. But there's a certain... Five stars almost has to be larger than life crowd reaction, and it didn't have that. The Brooks match had it, but the Brooks match... And the, the, but I thought the match, the the um, the Riddle and Sabre match, was the better match of the two. And most uh, most people did, but I know people thought the other way too. Yeah. But I know that like at ringside and everything, people were all saying five stars yep. for that one. Yep. And and to me, it was just like that style of a match. It's very difficult because it's not done to get giant reactions. It's more of a subtle thing, like watching an amateur match. Um, so for what it was, it was. It was awfully fantastic for what it was, but I don't know. I mean, what, uh, if it's four and three quarter stars, that's a great rating anyway. Yep, yep. All right, three, a uh, few other questions that when someone asks me about you, um, these are some some popular things that people ask me about you. So the first one is, is Twitter. I'm not going to hammer uh, uh, what a lot of people say about Twitter, but I wanted to give you a chance to kind of explain, again, in more than 140 characters, um, because a lot of people will reach out to me and go, like, why is Dave burying this, like, nobody kid or whatever? And so I, the first thing I say is, you probably want to read what they wrote to him first. Oh, yeah, I know. But the second thing is, I think you, as uh, someone who is into history and wants the history to sort of continue to exist into the future, I think a lot of what you tweet is, half-truths or people who have stories that counter the truth and you feel that it is necessary because of who you are 
to actually write the truth in a tweet to, you know, tell people, okay, this is the story going around, but this is really what happened. Do you feel like that's part of your role with Twitter and, and with your audience? Um, I think that my role is to teach people who want to learn and to infuriate people who don't. <laughs> so I think that's kind of like what it's, that's kind of the design. Um, I feel like everyone, everyone gets a different me out of Twitter and it's the, what you come in with the attitude that you have. If you want it to be funny, it's funny. If you want it to be informative, it's informative. If you want to be real mad at me, I will give you every opportunity to do that because that's kind of like what I'm kind of there for. I kind of, I, I, I like assholes to come off and kind of realize that they are. Um, it's kind of a weird thing. Because, I guess because of um, my background of um, in wrestling of always, you know, being the bad guy, the bad guy, the bad guy, even though I was actually the the one telling the truth mm-hmm. and, you know, in, in, a, in a sea of lies. And because of that, it's like, I'm not, I mean, everyone wants to be liked. And, and I almost, you know, because of the way I came up, it's almost foreign to me. It's weird to me to be liked because I always thought if I did my job, okay, so the smart fans would like me because they're going to realize that I'm doing my job really well. And the fans who aren't are going to hate me because they're threatened by that. Yeah. So I never minded being hated. And somebody go, God, you come off bad. And I go like, if you want me to come off bad, I, I will, you know, I, and I don't have any qualms about it. It doesn't bother me. And from a business standpoint, whatever it is, it, it obviously works. Um, whether it's the controversy, whatever it is, um, I mean, I'm not looking to make enemies, but you come after me to be an enemy, and I love it. I mean, I don't, and, and it's not like I dwell on it. It's, I just that's that's my personality in the sense of, you know, you you know, if, if you come after me and call me, you know, and again, most of the, if, if I'm going to insult someone, they've always insulted me first. Yeah, you know, so. And and I could just leave it alone. And I mostly do now. Now I mean, like now, if someone does that, I mean, if someone insults me at all, I just like that's it. I'm not going to respond. But sometimes, if there's a historical thing involved, then I then I will because it's like it didn't happen like this, or you know, or or a lot of times it's people who are um, who have created like fake stories to save them their own reputations and you know things that like didn't happen. It's like. Oh yeah, you know, like WCW was always going to die. There's nothing that could have been done. And it's like the hell, <laughs> you know. It's like that was the most incompetent. <laughs> you know what I mean? All the way through, it was the most incompetent last couple of years of any company I've ever seen, as far as the creative end goes. They drove their audience away, and everyone who did, and there's a bunch of them, they all, oh, you know, they they didn't want wrestling. Like, of course they didn't want wrestling. They lost sixty million dollars in one year because of incompetence, you know, and. Um, you know, some people, whatever, you know, some people don't, don't, you know, like they, they have to have their excuse. They have to have their crutch, you know, because they can't admit that, that, you know, they didn't have their finger on the pulse of their audience, you know, so, you know, maybe, and at other times those same people did to a degree, but it ended. And, um, you know, you, when it just ended, uh, do you ever have any people coming to you for advice as far as how they can do what you do? A little bit, yeah. What, what, do you, what do you usually tell them? Because it's not a conventional sort of thing to get into. And, and the way that you got into it wasn't conventional either. No, it just happened. No, I mean, I'd say read really good sports writers. That's what I did. Read really good sports writers. Figure out what it is that makes them really good. And study the the product. It's a hard product to study because there's there's so many aspects to it. I mean, it's it's an easy product to study at a certain level, but mm-hmm. to really understand it, it's very very difficult. Because what you learn, um, I mean, I think this is the, the the key to pro wrestling is as soon as you've learned it, um, if you stop learning, you're already behind the curve. You know, it's like, it's like, no matter how smart you are, I, I mean, and I learned this from Bill Watts, 
when Bill Watts was on his game, there was like no booker better. He had a brilliant mind. And then he went away for five years. You know, he sold his company, went away, came back in 1992. And it's like, and Bill Watts, he was still a brilliant guy. But the business had changed, and he came back in with his five-year-old ideas, and they felt like they were 20 years old. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's, and it's not like they didn't work. Some of them still worked, but a lot of them didn't. It's almost like when, um, you know, like somebody from another era comes in and watches a match now, and they'll go, why are you doing... You should only do one move. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Why are you doing so many moves? And it's like, well, that's what the fan base wants. That's what the style evolved into. You know, and it's like, if it didn't work, it it wouldn't, um, you know what I mean? It, 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 it's like, if it, if it didn't work, then it doesn't work. But the point is, is like, young guys have to, they, the, you, you can't go, this is how, this is the right way. There are certain things you should learn. Okay, you should absolutely learn. And for the most part, what you learn from guys who are really good at what they are, really smart at what wrestling was and even is, you should learn from them and, 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 and like remember everything they teach you. And in most cases, it's going to be right. But you also have to experiment some yourself. And in some cases, what was right is no longer right. Or there are ways that make it better. So it's like what was a perfect match in 1985 is not a perfect match in 2018. But a perfect match in 1985 can teach you so much. So it's not like you just throw it all out. Like if I see like um, some of the guys will, will see like some of the trainers will go on Twitter and say stuff. And they'll just like, oh, God, it's outdated. Some of it is and some of it isn't. Mm-hmm. There's, there's stuff, But there's there's stuff to be learned from, from these people. I mean... Um, but but those people who were like that from that era, um, they also have to realize that all the rules that they were taught, it is a different game now. It's a different fan base. I mean, it's like you want you want it to be the same. Look, I loved it when it was. I loved it back then too. But I also accept that it's it's not that way anymore. Um, but but there's there's still but stuff I learned from that. I I still you know. Whatever it still were, you know, I still learn from it. You mentioned the word love, which I think is 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 an interesting word because you, in order to do your job, you watch a lot of product. Too much. Well, maybe not. Maybe the right amount now. But it, like, like I think of you know the guys that sort of kind of mentored me when I was when when I was working at the radio stations and stuff and. It, it is. It's almost like you are both the fan isn't the right word, but you're the like you love it so much that you have to cover it in in the way that you do, or else you know you would oh, be I'll doing feel, it justice. Or I'll, I'll feel that I'm doing my readers injustice if I don't, right. if I don't watch you know what you know the stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, like I can't fake my way through it. No. Um, plus you have to be on top of it to learn. And it's like, at what point? I mean, because if I, if, if, if I, I under, you know, I mean, if, if I stopped, I mean, I, I think that watch thing was, was, was one of the greatest lessons is like, if I stopped learning, then it's like, I could still be good with history and I could be very valuable for history, but in evaluating current I'd be evaluating current by the wrong standards. The wrong, the old rules. Yeah, and it's like you've got to, and, and again, when you watch it, it's like you've got to watch the crowd. It's like the freaking, do you realize like how much even five years ago I would have hated the Joey Ryan thing? I would have hated it. And I know why people hate it, and the people who do hate it, I get it. Um, but when I first saw it, I mean, it was fun. it's a funny thing. When I first saw it, it was like, this is so ridiculous. And then I saw the reaction to it and how much reaction there was to it. And Ryan will probably, you know, he might even remember this. I mean, it was probably like a day after. And I said, you know, I don't remember exactly what I wrote, but it was like, congratulations, you came up with something that's that's made you marketable. And that's great. And, you know, he's become an underground star because of it. Much bigger star than he would have been without it. And it's like, you know, it's completely ludicrous and this and that. But you know what? And and then the, the first time I saw it on the live show, it was like, Everybody came to see it, mm-hmm. and and 
I've never been to a, you know, you know, it's like, oh, it turns people off. It really, if it turned people off, if I went to a live show and I saw that spot turn people off, I'd go, okay, this is not a good spot, you know, because it's turned people off. But it's so obvious that that's not the case. But, but again, it's like my upbringing and what I want from wrestling and this and that, that would absolutely not fit in. And I, so like when I see people who criticize, I go, I, I, I get why you criticize it. But it works to the audience that he's playing for, and he has to do it. Yep. He has to do it, because if he didn't, everybody would go like, we came to see Joey Ryan, and we didn't get to see the, the dick flip spot. Yeah, yep. And uh, just to go back to sort of the, the advice that you would give MMA, uh, would you'd give the same general advice to someone who wants to get into MMA about studying the product and, and, and such? Is there anything different that, that you would tell them when it comes to MMA? Um. Well, in both, I think studying the business end is super, super important because I think that's the weakness of, of not all, but a lot of the MMA writers, I think that the business end is a weakness. Um, there's definitely, and, and it's the MMA writers that I'm around are, you know, as a general rule, are much, much, much smarter than they were, you know, 10 years ago, five years ago. Because 10 years ago, it was almost like, a, you know, like they would make a fight that was going to draw money and these people would complain about it. You know what I mean? And it's like, I remember, like, like the when Shamrock and Tito, mm-hmm. when they did the the second fight, um, which was the the one that everybody got mad about, and then Dana put the third fight on TV, and it was like nobody wants to see this, nobody wants to see this. Go, I thought it was as soon as I, Dana told me I'm I'm putting it on TV, that's because br- it's brilliant. Don't yep. put it on pay per view. Yep. Put it on TV, so so no one's paying for it, but it's going to get this giant TV rating, and it did that TV rating did wonders for them because it was like you know it did in eighteen to thirty four. You know, we did like World Series numbers, you know, because the same time as the World Series. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like once you once you did that, everyone in TV noticed you. And it's like, was it the most competitive fight? No, it was the same fight as before. It ended exactly the way I figured it would. Yeah. But it was like it was like that fight was very important in the history of, of UFC to be done. You know, and people go, oh, you know, it's like it's bad for the sport. That fight. You cannot tell me that that TV fight was bad for the sport. That that TV fight was great for the sport. Um, you know, um, it's, 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 it's like, you know, you, if more people want to see it, then that's good for the sport. And it's not about rankings and it doesn't make it like it's not, oh, it's not a real sport. That is what combat sports are. Mm-hmm. You know, combat sports are not the base baseball and football. They're team sports that have local identities and things like that. It's like combat sports. You have to give people, you know, look. Bellator did those tournaments, you know, years ago, and that was more along the lines of an NCAA basketball tournament and everything like that. Did people gravitate towards it? Did it make new stars? No, it really didn't. I mean, you know, if it had, I would go, okay, oh, hey, look, it worked. Let's do it. Right. Okay, but it didn't work. Right. And what works now? What? It's personalities. So it's it's so you've got to learn, you know, like okay, this is what's drawing, and you know, why is it drawing and why is this, why is Demetrius Johnson not drawing? That's very important because Demetrius Johnson's, you know, maybe the best fighter in the entire sport mm-hmm. and he's not drawing. Why is that? What do we learn from that? Right. We learn maybe it's his size. Eh, you know what though? Uriah Faber wasn't so big and he did draw, you know? So what's the difference? Uriah Faber made himself a draw. You know what I mean? He wasn't the fighter Demetrius Johnson was. Demetrius Johnson was, hey, I'm a great fighter, you know? If you don't like me, whatever, whatever. Okay, that's great. That's wonderful. But nobody wants to see you. Right. Um, okay. The New Japan show is coming up. So I just want to ask one more question, which I also uh, get asked because – actually, no, they don't ask me about it. But what do, you, what, what do you think Dave would cover if he had more time? What's the what, – what are the things if you had 36 hours in a day instead of 24, what do you think that you're – that you would actually spend more time on a product, uh, some product that you don't get to watch as much, like something like all Japan or yeah, yeah, yeah. Some Lucha or something. I'd watch a little more Lucha, not a lot more. Um, but yeah, I'd watch more Lucha. Um, not WWE main event, not WWE main event. <laughs> I watch enough WWE, um, but you know, yeah, I mean, I don't miss two Oh five live. I don't miss, um, NXT. I watch all of SmackDown. I watch all of Raw. That's that's plenty. I would probably watch you know more New Japan Corican shows, uh, but I would watch more All Japan. I would watch more Dragon Gate for sure. 
because I don't think I watch enough Dragon Gate. I'm trying, but there's, you know, not enough hours in the day. But I am going to get the Dragon Gate more UK, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm going to, you know, my, I'm going to get the Dragon Gate service. I'm going to get the All Japan service. I'm going to have every streaming service, you know, Stardom. I'd watch more Stardom. I mean, I'm, I, I try to watch the big Stardom matches, but I would probably watch more, yeah. And uh, any any other sports that you think you would watch more football, of? Football, 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 football and basketball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I wasn't doing wrestling, I'd probably be. I don't know what I'd be doing now. I think I would have been. I end up as a football writer, but who who the hell knows? I mean, that, that was the direction everything was going. All right, that's it. Thanks for thanks for hanging out, and uh, appreciate you. We actually did like an hour. So oh, wow. showing show now. Show is about to start, so we should go. We should go turn it on. All right, all right. For Big Dave, I am Double G. We will see you when we see you. Peace out.